You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 540 for December 9th, 2020. On today's show, pianist Yelena Ekimov. This is the first episode of the Jazz Session to be recorded and produced in my 1999 Dodge Caravan named Lenny. If you've been listening to recent episodes, you've heard me talk about my impending move into this van. Well, I have been in the van now for a week and a day. I left uh, Tucson, Arizona, where I'd been living for the last eight months, on December 1st, and traveled across the United States to a state college, Pennsylvania, where I had been living for six years before Tucson, <laughs> uh, because this is where my children live. And so I'm spending uh, the month of December here and in other some other parts of the Northeast uh, visiting my kids and doing some socially distanced visits with other people. And then in January, I'll be heading south uh, into the southeastern U.S., hoping to do interviews uh, maybe socially distance in-person interviews as well as the Skype interviews that you're more used to in recent years. Now, the only way I'm able to do any of this is because people who enjoy what I do support it financially. I mean, quite honestly, I live on less than $1,000 a month, uh, significantly less actually, but uh, I can only do that because people decide they want to support this show. And I know people always say now more than ever, but now more than ever, I could really use your help. So if you can see your way to five or 10 bucks a month, you'll get bonus content and early access to most shows and uh, my eternal gratitude and the satisfaction of supporting something you like. You can become a member at thejazzsession.com slash join. Again, that's thejazzsession.com slash join. And in advance, I thank you. You ever talk to someone and you feel like, you could talk to them for days in a row. That's how I felt about Yelena Ekimov, whose music I also really, really love. Uh, you'll find an album of hers that came out earlier this year called Nocturnal Animals mentioned in this show, uh, talked about at some length. And we're also talking about and giving you a sneak peek of her forthcoming album, which comes out in March. But in any case, let's start with Nocturnal Animals. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yelena Ekimov, welcome to the jazz session. I'm glad to be here. I am very glad to have you. We're going to talk today about two albums, one that came out earlier this year, which is called Nocturnal Animals, and another that's coming out in uh, early 2021, which is Adventures of the Wildflower. They're both fantastic, and I wanted to start by saying that I once heard someone compliment an actor by saying that when he was on the screen, you could see him think like you could see expressions on his face, even when he wasn't talking that conveyed emotion and thoughts. And as I was listening to your albums, of course, I can't see you performing them, but I had the sense that I could almost hear you searching, hear you looking for the next thing, which is a very exciting part of music to me. And I wanted to ask if, if that rings true to you at all, if that seems true, like while you're playing, a part of it is a search. Of course. Yeah, I'm very thinking person in everything. So I guess my thinking starts with composing, of course. And there's a great deal of thinking when I edit my compositions. But then finally, when I bring my compositions to the recording, there's another stage of thinking when, especially when we have free solace that's ground for immediate um, enveloping of thought, you know, your guess is very right, even though uh, I have a lot of things composed. So it's not just free improvisation, like uh, all throughout. There are a lot of free improvisation, but it's all like embedded into the composition. Not only is there a lot of composed material, but there's a lot of thematic composed material. In other words, your recordings before this one, that was often true too, that there's some sort of overarching thematic idea. For example, for Nocturnal Animals, it is exactly, the theme is exactly what the title suggests it might be. Uh, each yeah. <laughs> each piece is named after a nocturnal animal. Will you talk about the, the research process? Well, I guess, first of all, the inspiration for that, but then the research process that led up to the compositions? I don't know how ideas come to people. They just come. Uh, nature was always uh, a source of inspiration, anything uh, in the nature. And, of course, I'm an artist who expresses myself. And uh, what what else can I express? I mean, I, I can express the world through my own feelings. And, you know, I have a lot of thinking going on about the world and the life and the meaning of it and like like everybody else of course but since i'm a musician i'm fortunate to have this ability to not only think about it but actually to express it in the music and and more than that like um of course word and uh, art like a supplement to music so but yeah i mean i've 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 done projects about different things and i've never done project about the animals so naturally i i thought how to write about animals but then when i had this idea then i thought what can i write about animals what can i express of course i can express the animals but i won't i didn't want to make a cliche and what can i say about the fox what can i say about the bear so i almost like wanted to see if i myself have uh, some uh, features or some other people features of those animals like trends of the animals so almost like combine the 
you know, like sometimes you look at the person and say, well, this person looks like, like a bird or like a, a lion or so. <laughs> and, but I, I thought, you know, we all have some animalish, you know, features in us sometimes and kind of, so that's, that gave me the um, very interesting, like very exciting angle to express the animals not really humanizing, well, maybe a little bit humanizing them, but uh, also like uh, vice versa, to go from the people to animals, how the person could be behaving like the hedgehog. The album has a thematic idea, but I'm wondering how programmatic the music is. In other words, you know, when you thought about either like a person behaving as a rattlesnake or a hedgehog or a toad, or you thought about those animals themselves, is it is it more like a an emotion that then leads to the music, or is there something in the music that is really directly tied to the the movement or or something like that? Of course, I mean music uh, is expressing the emotions, and uh, also like um, if it's a fox, it runs. If it runs, the music should run. And if it's a snake, the music should uh, kind of like slither. Give you yes, give you that impression of the snake, and not only behavior. It's more more like cicada, for example, uh, is trying to emerge after a very long preparation it emerges uh, and worries about how the world is going if the world is going to accept it so it's almost like myself <laughs> i mean uh, i've gone through so much in my life uh, immigration well of course the great deal of education and then i started my career so late started to do something about my career so late uh, so that's almost like i feel like I express myself in that cicada. So music doesn't express what I write about. That's that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> that would be would be yeah. disaster. Yeah, that's a <laughs> very good fail. point. <laughs> <laughs> very important to the way this music is expressed are the people who perform it with you. Tell me about who is on Nocturnal Animals with you. Yeah, well, of course, um, Ariel Tanderson, the bass player who I started to work with uh, back in 2012, 
And he's just been a very important figure in my musical journey because our collaboration, I would call it collaboration, even though it's pretty much it's my music, but he's just a sideman. But still, you know, when we work together, I think there's some kind of magic, you know, how we understand each other, even though we come from so very different worlds. I come from more like classical composer, and he is just improviser mostly. But then they will meet somewhere in the middle, and it's really great. It was our fifth album together. I wanted to have Jung Kishinson one more time before, well, and I was right, because he passed away soon after we recorded. I also wanted to make sure that Jung, who was not feeling that good already, that he is not pressured to be only drummer on the project because, you know, I wanted to make sure that he is not stressed out. Like, sure. You know, and I, I um, asked another Norwegian drummer, percussionist Thomas Tronen, who really was like growing up listening to young Christians. And so I thought it could work and it did work. Uh, so two drummers, not because I didn't want just one drummer, but actually it, it when I actually decided to have two drummers, I was excited um, about the opportunity to, you know, have those, the more percussion, more, because it, it was all about different um, instruments, not just drum set, but, you know, adding a lot of percussion, which actually hard to do sometimes when it's just one drummer, like Marilyn Mazur, is a great drummer who actually incorporates a lot of percussion. And actually, all of you, who, you know, that's, I guess, next album, his upcoming album, he's also very good with incorporating percussion into um, the drum, not just a drum set, but a lot of drummers just use the drum set, like Billy Hart, and, uh, you know, it's fine and great. Uh, but uh, that was you know, nocturnal animals, all those sounds. I thought that this is perfect with two drummers. <laughs> yeah, and two drummers, it can be difficult to make it work, but they they play together so seamlessly, and it it doesn't surprise me to hear that, you know, Jan was an inspiration because they just fit together so, so well throughout the recording. Yeah, but also the it was... Um, Kind of like we were thinking in Jan Erik Kangshao, the engineer who knew, who, you know, was, was like, like great friends, Ariel and Jon, and yes, he knew how to do it. So they were playing in the same booth. They were like playing side by side. Wow. Basically. Well, not side, but there were a little bit space in between them, but course the microphones were set up but so they were almost like uh, you know exchanging the uh, everything exchanging uh, the glance uh, you know glances. Yeah. and well Jon is listening he's only he wouldn't play he doesn't need any music or anything he's just listening he just plays when he feels like and and of course Thomas uh, was very connected to what he was Jon was doing and some you know so it's like it did work because um, we wanted it to work and they wanted it to work. And it was not about them playing together and showing off. It was about them playing with that music and with Ariel and me. And, you know, it was just, we had so much fun, you know, interplaying like this. 
A quick break from the show to remind you to become a member. It's wonderful that you listen. It would be awesome if you would subscribe as a member. You can do that for five or ten bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Uh, At the $5 level, you get the track of the week bonus episode. At the $10 level, you get the track of the week plus a bonus monthly show. You also get early access to most shows. And uh, it's just a, I don't know, it's literally a lifeline for me, especially now that I'm living in the van. Uh, Your help is really appreciated. So uh, join the family today. Become a member at thejazzsession.com slash join. Now back to the show. mentioned earlier the addition of things like art or poetry or prose to the music as like kind of additional ways of expression which features in a lot of your work um, features very heavily in adventures of the wildflower which we'll get to but i'm just curious about that about your use of additional media and additional means of expression can you talk about how you started doing that First of all, I I need to say that, well, I don't need to say, but I guess I should say that I actually, I wish I didn't do it because I know I'm confusing people, and especially music critics, uh, because uh, what what is she doing? Why is she doing this? Is she like thinking that her music is not enough or anything? But um, yeah, I I always foresee uh, like questions like that, not, not from you, but, you know, from like majority of the people uh, who, um, who who wonder why uh, in the world uh, I am doing this. But, you know, it's um, probably sometimes even harmful to me because, like like I say, I, I can confuse people with this who don't understand um, where I'm coming from and why should I go to that extent. And I do go to that much more extent like when I prepare my release, if I didn't have to do all of, all of it, so it would be so much easier. But um, the truth is that I just love this. This is something that, you know, when I like conceive the project, it's it's I I'm creating a world around it. I'm creating. I mean, I'm thinking about it as a as a you know something like a. a any movie or or a novel or um, not in the terms of like writing a novel, but just the whole world of it. Just starting to, I'm starting starting to live in it. So I getting I'm getting that all of those images in my head and feelings and everything. So uh, for example, well I don't know it's it's a good example, but just from the top of my head, when I was recording Lions with uh, Anderson and uh, Billy Hart. I was traveling for the recording session. We were traveling in Europe and then we were having like a little vacation and traveling around like uh, Europe. And I was making pictures of lions everywhere. I saw lions on the doors, sculptures, you know, anything, the pictures, because I, I was I was searching for the lion's theme everywhere. Well, it's a kind of example. I was obsessed with figuring out 
everything I could about lions and just kind of living through it. So it, this is just my way of, um, you know, I'm not trying to show off. I'm not trying to, you know, show everybody I can do this or I can write or I, I don't know if I can write. I, I don't care. I mean, I, I do what I can. And I, I've been always like interested in uh, drawings and painting. But so I, don't, I know I am not professional. I know I'm not anybody like I'm a musician, but this makes me feel, you know, I do everything I can and I, I make those images that are in my head as true to what I see as I can. I'm very disappointed that anyone would ever be critical of that. I mean, it would be like telling a filmmaker not to have music in the film or something. I mean, art is much larger than any one discipline. And if if your primary discipline is music, but you feel compelled to express more of the story visually or through writing... I mean, to me, that just makes the world that much richer. It's not like I can't listen to the music without those things. I can. And as a matter of fact, it's always been my practice that when I listen to music for the first time, I don't read anything. I don't read the song titles or anything. I just start playing the music. And s- But then after that, to have this whole rich world to go into, to read your words, to look at the illustrations, it just makes me, it makes me feel surrounded by your vision and certainly music alone can do that but that's not to say that that's the only way to do it and i think your way is is beautiful well thank you i'm very glad to hear those words from you That's interesting in the recording of lions, how you were kind of capturing images of lions everywhere. Uh, Just to stay on that particular example, when you were capturing these images, had you already written and recorded the music? Had you written it but not recorded it yet? Where in the process are you kind of starting the visual piece or the the poetry piece or the prose piece? Um, No, it was just like, uh, first of all, that idea came to me when uh, Ariel told me at the recording of Glass Song, our first project together, that he's getting a base with a, a lion's head on the neck made for him uh, in France. And that he told me that, and I started to, I thought, well, he's going to have a lion's base. And I, I thought, why would, and I, I that would kind of trigger my imagination. Uh, and thought, well, what, we need to record the 
CD about lions. <laughs> and um, but then I started to I didn't know how I'm gonna approach this because you know how can you approach it? So it it took me so much time just to kind of figure out what I'm gonna write about it, how I'm gonna approach. And I was searching everywhere. And finally, I and I even went to the zoo for the whole day, picture, making pictures of lions they had. But nothing for me. I didn't use any of those images that I had hundreds of images of lions. I finally I I just painted my own picture because nothing was fitting my image. And that's how I actually started to paint pictures because before that I was using my photographs but then after lines uh, when i couldn't find any photograph i i could use i started to paint my own but you asked me earlier i guess i didn't answer that question why i started to write and include those in in the cd packaging that was this glass song also i have a like friend who's age of my mother but she's my friend she's from originally from germany and it's my only like friend who <laughs> pretty much um, here in America. And she was listening. With, yeah, I was kind of showing her uh, um, my rough mixes. And she said, and I was kind of explaining her what I see, what I what's going on, what I see there. And then she said, oh, how interesting. You know, I'm not a musician, but when you talk about it, I, I kind of like start understanding your music better. Why don't you write it included in your, you know, CD uh, booklet. And that's how, you know, she advised me that. And I thought, why not? So I did that for Glass Song the first time. Again, I appreciate that. I It has always been a thought of mine that, yes, music can stand on its own. But if we have an interest in broadening the audience or in bringing people in to our vision, then telling them something about what's happening is just a, a kind thing to do. It doesn't mean that every, everything has to be explained, but I've met so many musicians over the years who say like, you know, I don't talk to the audience because the music stands on its own, or I don't put anything in the liner notes because the music stands on its own. And sure. Okay. That's fine. But it doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. And I think audiences, I know I'm, I'm part of the audience as an audience member. I'm grateful when the musician acknowledges me and brings me in and says, here's, here's the vision or here's a piece of what inspired this or here's another way to think about it. I appreciate that when it happens. Yeah, well, I, I, me too, me too. I, uh, I I know that a lot of musicians I work with, they actually don't really buy my approach. I mean, they say, well, you know, even titles are not important, you know. Actually, Ariel is one of those. Um, <laughs> But uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but when he plays, he actually expresses things. Like, I, I think he can't can help himself if he knows. Yeah, and Billy Hart was so excited when I told him I want him to like express uh, like uh, the dog, and he was thinking, he was asking me, well, Irina, what what kind of dog is it? Like a grown dog or a puppy? Oh, that's great. <laughs> And he and then I said, well, here's the grass grows and everything. So he, uh, or or the the wind. I mean, he was just so excited. He said, oh, I love it. I love this. You know, you want me to express how the grass is growing. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, the, um, the the fireplace crackling, uh, and oh, yeah, and and actually yes, and it, it he did do all of it. I I know where to point out when he, he was doing all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we recorded like three times with Billy, and every time he was excited to express those things like um in lions for example like hunger like uh, he was expressing he was playing how you have tanks of hunger and the, your stomach growling the lions <laughs> that's wild oh i love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it was not really like of course it was it was more complicated than just right but yes he felt it and he he actually bought all of those ideas for, of mine. But Jon Christensen, of course, he would never really care. Well, actually, he did. When we recorded Ever Blue, I said, well, the shells, you know, how and I think you can hear how the shells are, are like uh, roll, rolled over the, the beach sand, you know, by the waves. So... Let's turn our attention to the forthcoming album, uh, which folks will get a, a very short sneak peek of here in this episode. It's called Adventures of the Wildflower, and much like Nocturnal Animals, it has a theme, and that theme is expressed in the album title. It is, in fact, this uh, life cycle of a Columbine flower that is expressed Throughout the album, there's a lot of poetry and art in the additional materials to add even more depth. Again, if I'll just ask you, where did this idea for the long, essentially almost suite of music based on the Columbine come from? Again, I was kind of thinking about what life is about and uh, how, you know, I've, I've just done the nocturnal animals and how the animal world is connected to the human world and we can be connected, interconnected. And I actually read the science article in the magazine about how plants communicate, trees and all kinds of plants. They they also, I had no idea that they, they communicate, uh, but apparently they do throughout the root system and even through the air. So I'm not a scientist and probably I didn't understand 50% from the article was saying, but... Not um, not to interrupt you, 
but I will just add that that's actually a subject that I am fascinated by and have read several books about plant communication. And so when I learned that this album was partly inspired by that when I was reading the materials, I was so excited because I think it's amazing. It's fascinating how plants communicate. I mean, they can warn each other of danger. They can express, you know, joy and comfort. I mean, it's incredible. And so I was very excited when I thought, oh, well, here's an entire album I can listen to that is based in that in that concept. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but please continue. Well, this is so, I don't know. I mean, I feel like closer and closer to you in the, like personally because it seems like we share a lot of the same passions. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. But yes, I, and I was so also like excited about it because I, I love nature and I think we can't get enough of nature, right? We, you know, every day we... We we don't get tired of listening to birds and or looking at the beautiful trees and flowers and everything like ocean and rivers. So this is you can't get enough of it. You can get satisfied with the food, but never with looking at the nature. Of course, I thought, well, how? Uh, what about the, the flower? What what if the flower would feel what's going on around it and, and think about it? And of course, I. Uh, uh, I can't help, but I always humanize the nature because, you know, I you're a human being. So, <laughs> yeah. yes, that's how it I, works. <laughs> other, you know, I don't know what flower would think, but I, I can kind of put myself in in the flower's shoes. So, and I, so it was after I thought about it, it was so easy. Of course, the seed, seed germinates and looks at the world. And then I just started to think what can happen to that seed. And I am a gardener myself, not very successful, but <laughs> I'm trying. So I know how plants grow and uh, weed my garden Well, when I have time. And if I don't, I know what happens. And so that was easy. After I understood what I just wanted, what my task is to describe the life of the plant and of course, uh, I like, I chose Columbine, and I actually, I wanted to even call it a Columbine, but people told me, no, that's not a good idea in America, uh, and yes, it wasn't a good idea, but uh, then I was uh, searching, uh, could I substitute the Columbine with something else, and I couldn't find any plant, any flower that would fit the same cycle, what I wanted to to do with it so i still had to and uh, my grandmother was growing columbines not just growing but they would grow always like um in her garden so i love this flower it was my the flower of my childhood so that's how i decided about columbine but i just thought this is not enough just to talk about plants how they communicate this the whole life so that's how the story came about the whole like Somebody said, like a children's book, but what more can I could I do? <laughs> it's just a CD in sort. It's not like a novel, right? Follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at Jazz Sesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and on Instagram at The Jazz Session. If you'd like to keep up to date on my travels, my podcasts, my poetry, and more, you can subscribe to my newsletter. Go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. And now, back to the show. Back to the show. 
You know, it's interesting to me, and I didn't make this connection until just now when hearing you describe the the Columbine and its its cycle. But in some ways, it feels to me like this album is almost like if you took the cicada idea from Nocturnal Animals and just expanded that to an entire album. Because when you described the cicada, you talked about this idea of growth, of your own personal growth, of life changes, of of long moments of preparation, long years even of preparation, which is not exactly the same for a Columbine, but not dissimilar. And this album is in some ways like taking that idea of growth and evolution and expanding it out as the main idea of the entire record. Maybe I'm off the mark there, but anyway, that it suggested itself to me when I listened to you talk about the two, the two different pieces. Well, it looks very, very wise what you're saying. Yes. Uh, because uh, I mean, again, like uh, this was my way to see the Columbine as a very nice um, human being, like who, which, you know, your life is two years, but we, we live longer, uh, hopefully. And, and of course, we have more things to, uh, to, to happen in our life. But pretty much, you know, how like we have adversities and the Columbine did have your adversities and we have friends who help us and she did have. And so everything like, you know, kind of like in very concentrated form that what people experience in their lives and but how they they think about their lives um when they get closer to the end of it and what they what they cherish in their lives how they so all of it i of course i kind of i um, I, I couldn't help but that, that was always you know it should be there i mean when i was talking about the flower but still i was thinking about the humans as we uh, we're we're kind of drawing near the the close of our conversation, this is a very different ensemble from the one on Nocturnal Animals. Uh, could you just briefly tell us about the the band on Adventures of a Wild of the Wildflower? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, actually, it was not the first time I recorded in Finland. The first recording was uh, part of this band was in 2013 when I recorded Blumenthal Flocks. That was something that I really enjoyed because Finnish musicians, um, those like Finnish musicians that are on the CD, they are the best jazz musicians in Finland. And not only, like, they've kind of like, uh, they have a lot of recognition in Europe, not as much in America, I think. But And I uh, met at Jazz Ahead in Bremen, I met Yarmasari. I never met him before and he kind of like we talked and somebody introduced him to me and um for some reason i got excited that he plays not only different guitars but also glass harp and theremin and kind of i said well and why don't i go back to finland <laughs> it's a good kind of like excuse now i i met with um the guitar player like i feel kind of feel we, we connected and I listened to his works on the YouTube on, uh, on the Spotify and um, I thought well he is really good and also I liked his works with Yuka Perka 
saxophone player. And I thought Yuka Berk and him, they would be great addition to my Olovihilohoveorio drummer and percussionist and Panusavalainen on uh, vibraphone and Antilotionin on bass. So I, I thought, well, this would be great band. I was so comfortable, maybe because Finnish, uh, Finland and Russia are kind of like neighbors. And I don't know, I haven't been in, in Russia for almost 40 years, but still I am, I am from there. <laughs> so I, I do have a Russian soul, I guess. So it was kind of very easy to work with them. And I really looked forward and it really went really well, even better than I thought. Yelena, people have had a little chance to hear uh, Adventures of the Wildflower on this program, just a little short snippet, but they're actually going to get uh, a chance to hear an entire piece from it coming up pretty soon, right? Yes, December 18th would be a single winter slumber uh, released from um, Adventures of the Wildflower. And then I will release probably a couple of more singles before March 19 and the um, the whole record release because it's in the 19 um, 18 tracks so I I can <laughs> <laughs> you can afford to put record, some out I, before the <laughs> yeah I can afford to put some singles out before. <laughs> <laughs> Yelena Ekimov, it's been absolutely a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I feel like we could this show could be four hours long, but uh, uh, I'm so so glad you took the time to do this. Um, I just I really enjoy your music, and I hope you'll come back on the show in the future uh, when the next projects are out. Thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure. It was mine, and thank you so much. Thanks to my guest this week, Yelena Ekimov. If you value what you just heard, become a member for $5 or $10 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz recorded in a van on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.